My guest on this week's episode of Sunset Search is Amanda Jordan, Director of Digital Strategy at Rickety Brew. Amanda is one of the most popular and sought-after personalities in local SEO. She is an in-demand conference presenter who you might have heard at MozCon, Local U, White Spark Local Search Summit, the Women in Tech SEO Festival, and many other places. I caught up with Amanda shortly after her presentation at MozCon, which was about the future of local landing pages. I'm going to start our conversation asking her why many small businesses struggle with local landing pages and what savvy small businesses are doing differently. After this episode, make sure to check out her local landing page checklist, which is linked to in the show notes. We'll also talk about a recent local SEO case study she did on the Moz blog titled, How We Increase Revenue with Speed Optimization. The methodology for a local SEO case study was very interesting to me. What would happen if you improved page speed, but literally did nothing else on the site? The results were stunning. Hear all about it on this episode. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with the extremely impressive Amanda Jordan. We'll chat about why local SEO should lean into technical SEO. We'll talk about her course over at Bright Local Academy. We'll spend a little time talking about why small businesses need to diversify their content sources. All right, Amanda Jordan, welcome to Sudden Search. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you on. Um, one of the things I am excited about is the timing. You were were back from MozCon. You were speaking there earlier this month. Congratulations. Your speech was like celebrated all over SEO Twitter. Um, and I wanted to ask you about some topics from that speech. So you talked about local landing pages. And that's where I'd like to start the conversation because in local SEO, you know, the common speaking topics are like GMB, GBP optimization, best practices for post Q&A, those kinds of things. Local spam yep. is always a, a hot topic. Local link building gets a lot of attention. But mm -hmm. the first thing I thought of when I heard your topic was, wow, that's an important thing that mm -hmm. not that many people are talking about. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, taking me back to when you were in the brainstorming, why do you choose to speak about local landing pages? And, um, and why do you think this, does, this doesn't get more attention? So why I chose to speak about it was because I've been in uh, local SEO for for a decent amount of time and I've worked with small businesses, one to two locations, three locations, four, and businesses that have 200 plus locations and all of them had terrible location landing pages. Okay. Like no one was actually doing a good job. Um, and this includes like everyone from like credit unions, uh, energy companies, Walmart, like huge retailers and like just like a plumber who has three locations. Like they all struggle with this one element of local SEO that's incredibly important. I think local SEO gets pigeonholed a lot into being what is impacted by Google Maps or the Google Maps aspect of it. But really um, local SEO to me is any SEO where there is a geographical element as to where you want to rank. So that includes technical SEO to me is local SEO if my client is slower than all your competitors. I also did a case study for Moz about that as well as that um, we had a client um, where uh, their focus is, uh, uh, I think it was home senior care or no, it was house cleaning, house cleaning services nationwide. And uh, all we did was improve their core web vital scores and they had a 55% increase in revenue. That was the only changes made to their website in a year, right? Because that's what they, that's the only thing we did. I can look back in our project management system. I can tell you for a fact, that is the mm -hmm. only thing we were paid to do <laughs> during that time. And it, they had a 55% increase in revenue 
just from having a better user experience. And to me, that is local SEO because that local client still expected to see an increase in revenue, no matter how we, what SEO tactics we use to get it. So it's kind of just like based on where you want to rank, not necessarily what needs to be done to get you ranked. It's just that there's an added complexity um, because you do have Google business profiles as a factor. Um, you have proximity as a factor, and then you have Yelp and TripAdvisor and all of those sites as a factor that come into play for local SEO that typically don't come into play for other types of businesses. Well, awesome. And I, I plan to ask you questions. Let's, let's put a pin in the, the Moz blog that you wrote because I thought it was really good and I'm going to talk about it later. But like, you're the kind of person that makes me feel lazy because you write blogs at Moz, you speak all over the place, you've got a really uh, growing agency that you're working on with Blake and the team there at Rickety Roo. So mm -hmm. I, I, I have a hard time keeping up with all, all the stuff you're doing. I don't know if you ever sleep, but first, uh, you know, I want to get back to the Moz, the MozCon presentation. So you mentioned that everywhere you've gone, these local landing pages are terrible. It doesn't matter if it's mm -hmm. Walmart. It doesn't matter if it's just a plumber down the street. Can we get into that? Like what are some of the common landing page fails when you're analyzing yeah. these? What, what, are, what are you seeing over and over again? Uh, one is a page that does not inspire any interaction by the user. So, uh, yeah, there's not a lot of ways you can talk about being a plumber or a junk removal company that's interesting. Um, but that's essentially your job um, of the location landing page is to uh, what attract and convert. It's not a it's not a one page. It's not a blog post, right? So it's not just about getting traffic to the website. It's also about converting that traffic. And what I see is that there's a lack of focus on both of those things. And I think that can be hard to do because most pages from an SEO perspective, like they're either kind of one or the other, right? With SSEOs, we do focus more on the content side of, uh, of what we're building. And that means that performance uh, conversion rate optimization for location landing pages often fall to the wayside and aren't considered as important. Um, and that's something that we just kind of have to fix because unfortunately, like, well, it is it is what it is. Like I, I work with a lot of law firms and things like that and lawyers and a lot of these different types of clients, they don't care how much traffic you bring. If their phone isn't ringing, if they're not getting new cases, it doesn't matter. Um, and so my goal is like, what can I do from within SEO, within my, what I do to get more leads? And I see a lot of pages are falling short of doing what they can do to get that traffic and get that to turn into leads. Um, and it's often duplicate content. It's often um, uninteresting content, content that doesn't inspire action. Um, it's often not building trust on their location landing pages, so not including anything um, not giving people a reason why to choose you over your competitors. That's that's one of the roles of those pages. Um, I, I see it as like a, it, to me, it, it truly is like a landing page first. Like it's essentially the job of that page is to, to get people there and then get them to call. If I can do that on that one page without them having to go anywhere else, that's ideal to me. That is the ideal situation that I can rank for plumber near me, someone clicks on that location landing page, and then they call because they see that you provide the services and you have a good reputation. That's all they need to know. Everything else is kind of fluff, right? At that point, because that client knows that that the intent of that keyword for location landing pages is always very strong, very transactional, very commercial. So if we can't convert on our pages that rank for those 
keywords with that very strong intent for being a good lead, then essentially it's it's just for the traffic. Yes. So um, yeah, so like it's it's uh, the issues I always see are are usually related to duplicate content and uninteresting content, and I don't fault copywriters for that because there are only a certain, there's only so many ways, like I said during the presentation, you can talk about unclocking a toilet, right? Like if you have 50 plumbing clients, they all need to have a page about uh, drain cleaning or unclogging drains and things like that. But there's only so many ways you can talk about it. It's up to us as strategists to come up with new ways to, um, to get these location landing pages to rank for the keywords and as well as be interesting as being something that people want to interact with. And even better, if we can make it a page that people want to link to, that's, that's even better, right? Like if we, people want to interact with this page, people want to share this page because it has interesting information on it, um, even better. That's, that's the, be the best a location landing page can do is attract, convert, and get links. That's the goal for essentially the majority of uh, transaction pages that rank for transaction intent keywords. Yeah, and I love it. And I I, I also noticed you, you know, the presentation is based on research that you guys did. So mm -hmm. particularly in the home services vertical. So the methodology is described in the Mozcom presentation. If, if people are interested, you can download the slides, but you found that some companies are excelling. So for instance, yeah. there's like a heating and air company that's ranking well um, in, in doing well. Um, but you compiled all of this research into a landing page checklist that was announced mm -hmm. at Mozcon. And I want to point our users or our, our, our listeners to that. There are about 30 items to check off. There are notes, descriptions, and all that stuff. But how, you know, how do you recommend the people who who are listening to this use that checklist that you created? What, what's what's an appropriate way to to use it going forward? Yeah. Um, so I consider that pretty much a checklist for how you template your location landing pages. It's not that every page needs to be 100% unique through and through. It's just that uh, these are the elements that you need to be successful. And if you have a templated approach and you can get that unique content on those pages, then you're going to be golden. Like you're, you're going to you're going to be able to convert people that go go to that page. You're going to be able to get that traffic. So it includes those trust signals. It includes those conversion things that impact conversions, but it also includes what you need to rank from, just rank the page in general. So I tried to make it um, inclusive, but the, the goal is to take that and then make sure that your your template templates for your location landing pages has all those features. And if it doesn't, you need to update to include some of these features that you're missing so that you get more out of your location landing page, whether it be improving your rankings um, if you're seeing that you're short there or improving your conversions once people get to those pages, if you're seeing that you're not getting the leads that you should be getting from those types of pages. Awesome. And um, let me tell you what I like most about this checklist. So there are some things that every SEO would expect to be on a checklist, like write title tags, write meta description, yada, yada. But in the speech, you recommend that businesses and SEOs uh, diversify their content sources. So mm -hmm. if I look at the landing page checklist, there's local content and city content. There's user generated mm -hmm. content, first person content, third party content. What's the psychology there? Is, is Google rewarding landing pages that have a variety of content types? Is that the idea? The, the idea there is one, get rid of the duplicate content issue. Like yeah. I've had clients, it's not always an issue, but I've seen several times, I've worked with a home senior care company where 
they had locations all over the country. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of how many, I think they had a, about a hundred locations and they had a microsite for every location. Each location was, owned, it was a franchise. So they were owned by a different person. And then they had service area pages, uh, landing pages for each. And they were all duplicative. Right. Um, and some of them performed well and some of them didn't. And there was, I could not tell you why some of those locations performed well with that duplicate content and others didn't. But we found that when we can, like with the ones that weren't performing well, when we updated their content to be more unique um, and diversified, they saw an improvement in their leads to the point that individual franchise owners were coming to us and asking if they can pay us separately from what was being done with the the corporate office to get their website to get those rankings and improvements and they were referring each other to us so in addition to having like the corporate office as a client we had individual franchise owners coming to us and asking for our helps um individually some of them even started making enough money that they just sold their franchise like they went from not being able to get enough leads to making like to being so successful they're like i don't even need to do this anymore i'm just going to sell it and and spend time doing growing another business so like um we just found that having a variety of content sources um helps your content be unique helps it be interesting to visitors as well um, and then you're ahead of your competition because your competitors aren't doing all of that. So if you're the only one doing that, it's going to take a while for them to catch up, especially if you've put in the processes in place so that when you open a new location, right? Scalability is always something that I think about, especially for large multi-location and enterprise level clients is that if we open a new location, can we repeat this process and get the same results? Or are we starting from scratch every single time? Right. So um, just making sure that everything is repeatable and we can get the same results again and again and again. Um, and that's kind of like, that's that's my kind of like philosophy around that. Well, I love it. And th- a couple of times here, you've mentioned it. It's like, there are metrics that are vanity metrics and then there are metrics that actually matter. Like, like mm-hmm. our, the idea here is to make our clients money. Uh, some of the challenge, as I could see it, is we don't always have insight into that. We have, you know, how mm-hmm. many, how many forms did you get? How many phone calls did you get? But we don't see mm-hmm. that end result. I think we could have more meaningful conversations with our clients and be better strategists if we got there. What tips do you have about getting further down into the into the customer journey where we can actually see not just like conversions but also revenue, which is really at the end of the day what matters. Yeah. So uh, part of that is working with clients so that they understand how much a lead is worth to them. Um, And a lot of clients don't know that off the bat um, and different types of leads are worth different types of money. Like someone calling you because they had a pipe burst in their uh, and it's an emergency repair in the middle of the night. That's probably going to be worth more than someone's like, uh, my sink is backed up a little bit. Can you come look at it? Right? Like the, the, those things are going to have a, a different value assigned to them. Um, but what we try to go after is understanding like one, what is the lifetime value of your client? Um, that is what we ask in our onboarding process. Mm-hmm. So even if like, sometimes they don't know, right? They have no, they're like, I don't, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what a lifetime value is, but can you like assign, trying to assign a value to those leads. Um, And then when you work with uh, professional services and home services companies, they often have uh, tools and software that they use. One of the popular ones for home services is Service Titan. Mm -hmm. And it helps them to to track essentially everything that's going on with their business in one hub. 
um, and they can see how many like ha- the dollars like related to what um, to what we're doing. Like, okay, we had this many calls come in. This is how much revenue we got from Google My Business calls specifically. Uh, and that makes it a lot easier for us with those types of clients. But with like attorneys and things like that, um, I've gone as far as to listening to their phone calls. Like, oh, you have call recording? I will listen to your phone call and I'll tell you when you're like, your team isn't picking up the phone and or they're letting it ring too long or they haven't gotten back to someone that they said they would call back. Um, sometimes it does when there's an issue, it does take some digging on our, on our part to like, like a to show the value of what we're doing and when there is a gap in what we're providing and um, and the number of leads we're providing and actually them getting, changing, turning them into customers. Uh, but the only part I can control is the SEO, right? So like uh, after we get to like, we may, if we make sure tracking is set up, if we talk to them and try to get a LTV or a lifetime value of their customer, each customer or different types of customers from them, they have an idea of how much they make for specific types of service services. We can kind of guesstimate what's going on as far as this is how much money or value you're getting out of your SEO um, based on based on what we're seeing. Um, but yeah, I've gone through clients form submissions before. I've gone through their calls and said, oh, this is a, this is how many actual leads you got this month versus how many form submissions. This is how many actual leads you got from calls versus just calls coming in. Um, another way to do that too is calls over a minute or calls over three minutes. Um, so if a call is over a certain amount of time, there's a better chance that it's a lead because if it's a spam or robo call, you're not going to stay on the phone with them for three minutes. So that's another way that we uh, qualify is like, well, you're seeing an increase of calls and calls over three minutes. Um, that means that these are, is, is there's a highly, high likelihood that that's increase in actual leads for your business because why else would you spend that much time on a phone call with someone and when you're at work? Um, and CallRail is a good tracking solution for that. Right. If someone's looking to figure out how do they track those calls, it'll also um, track uh, keywords that people searched to, to, before they called. Um, um, it will also let you track the uh, sources so you can tell if it's direct, PPC, organic. Um, and, and you can even use it for your uh, traditional marketing too. So if you're doing print, right. if you do billboards, you can have a tracking number on that billboard and they call it, then you know that that kind of came from that tracking number and you can trace it back to that specific type of um, type of uh, uh, marketing that you're doing. But we try to like tie our tie what we're doing to 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 revenue as often as we can because that's essentially what our clients care most about. And working with a lot of small businesses like Rickety Re does, it's really important for them to see the impact on their bottom line because they don't have a huge budget to spend on marketing. So they need to see that they're getting the benefit out of it to consider it worth the, the continuing that relationship and continuing the work. All right. Well, I love this. I, I wonder if we've worked with some of the same clients. I can't believe how many people just like don't answer their phone. Um, and it's weird. Mm-hmm. We spend all this time talking about like complex SEO topics and you mm-hmm. know, back end of a website and stuff like that. Some of the biggest breakthroughs I've had with clients are like just going, no one's answering your phone. You can oh, yeah. so much more money just by uh, oh, picking yeah. up the phone. So it's it's a uh, it's an interesting world we're in. Anyway, I want to abruptly shift gears to the blog on Moz, as I mentioned. Really impressive. Again, this is more research from you and your team, and I love the the, the start of it. The premise is that local SEOs kind of stay out of technical SEO topics, like you said at the beginning. That's just not our thing. 
But in reality, te yeah. technical SEO isn't a non-factor in local in the local algorithm. Far mm -hmm. from it. It, it. Even if even if it was like, and it isn't. Even if it was, page speed impacts user experience, which impacts conversions and the bottom line. So ultimately, you compiled research. We should discuss the findings. But why did you decide to do this research in the first place? Why did why did you decide that page speed was going to be something you wanted to study? Yeah, um, so before I worked at Rickety Roo, I worked at a great technical SEO agency called Locomotive um, that's based in Raleigh. Um, and we, at, working at a technical SEO agency and being the only local SEO there, I learned a lot because it was not what I was used to and what was, I was comfortable with. Um, and I really appreciate the experience I had there because it pushed me out of my comfort zone uh, of what I thought SEO was because I had been a content writer before. So I knew like I was comfortable with content. I was comfortable with on-page SEO. I was comfortable with Google business profiles and understanding that. But when um, I was started working with enterprise clients and where like these little issues with technical things can like, yeah, if you have a website where like you have a hundred people visiting a day and it's enough to annoy one person, that's not a big deal. But when you're talking about millions of people over months, because yeah. because it's a huge website, um, then those things become a bigger issue. And uh, so um, I've been focusing on like, what can I do to help local SEOs feel more comfortable with more technical or more data-driven aspects of SEO that aren't necessarily about Google Maps, aren't necessarily about content, but like this is still a part of SEO. Like I see the pillars of SEO being like technical uh, for local SEOs anyway, being technical on-page content and Google My Business, Google Maps, proximity, and all of those things. And we're like a lot of local SEOs are missing that technical pillar because it's unfamiliar. Like they don't come from a background where they're a developer, so they don't have that experience. Um, and they're afraid of breaking something on the website, which like is a valid thing to be concerned about, right? It's not like it doesn't happen. Um, so that's why I decided to go on that topic. And originally I was looking into, um, I worked with J.R. Oaks, who's very into uh, automation and programming and Python. And he encouraged me to learn more about Python and understand it and get better at data storytelling because that was something that uh, when you're talking to these like really big companies that are franchises that are energy companies that serve like essentially the entire state of Texas, things like that is like, you kind of have to know, you have to know more than like, Oh, this is, this is the best thing that everyone recommends. So we should do it. You need to be able to tie it back to what's happening on their website and what, and their actual data and what's going on. And, um, learning Python and having those other skills helped me, to get to that point quicker. Like it's less time parsing through information and more time being able to actually analyze it. Um, and that's so like learning those skills, I, it helped me tremendously. Um, and having, so I was like, I bet other local SEOs could benefit from having those skills too, or learning more about these things too. And I bet it doesn't have to seem as scary as it does right now. And that's foreign because if I can do it, uh, there's nothing incredibly special about my SEO abilities that makes me able to understand this that no one that other local SEOs can't understand it. So I wanted to kind of 
help bridge that gap so that the that's technical SEO and local SEO aren't necessarily completely different things. Like technical SEO can be a part of your local SEO strategy, especially if you make backups, right? And you test things and you don't push things to the published live site without making sure you're not breaking anything first. So like a WordPress site, that's like a, a very easy place to start um, understanding, um, especially if they're in WP Engine or, or a similar platform, understanding like what's going on because you can set up those backups. Um, you can have a staging site. You can have those sites where you can just test things and play around and figure it out. Um, and that's something that Blake does a lot of. And like when we got, when I got on board at Rickety Roo, um, and I and I watched what they were doing with speed, and it was stuff. It was broken down in such a such a way that I'd never seen before. What was so easy to understand, what you, what you need to do for core web vitals. Yeah. It wasn't like um, and that's one of the things that I love about working with other SEOs that see it this way. It's like it's not my job to make things more complicated or seem complicated or come up for new definitions for terms or things that everyone is already doing. It's my job to simplify it. So like when it was simplified, I was like, ah, I get it now. I bet I can explain this in a way maybe that other people will get too. Uh, and that's essentially my goal. Um, I, I don't want um, other elements of SEO to be mystified for, for other people who focus on other things like local or content. Um, I want to demystify as many elements of SEO as possible so that we can just help all of our clients. I'm not afraid of my competition. So like I, I, if so, if I have a competitor who reads something I wrote and it's like, oh, time for us to um, update our core web vitals. I think that's great. I want it to be competitive because then the user wins in the end. Yeah, I love that sentiment. Yeah, so it's worth it's worth kind of re, re, re saying or like at the risk of repeating ourselves, like what what you did with this experiment because it was really interesting. I like the methodology. So you basically you wanted to improve page speed, literally nothing else. Like don't even mm -hmm. uh, no contamination in in yep. terms of like another helpful tactic possibly. So mm -hmm. you ran the test, you improved page speed considerably, mm -hmm. and there was a meaningful increase in new users, but the conversion wins were even bigger. So like the yeah. conversion wins way out, like in terms of in percentage terms, were way bigger than the new user left. I think you said earlier it was a 55% yeah. increase in revenue. Yeah. From simply yeah. from simply improving page speed. Explain how that could be. Yeah. That, that, seems, that seems like su such a uh, convincing yeah. study. How could that be? Yeah, um, it's because uh, people don't want to stay on websites that suck. Like I've been thinking about this, like for myself, because I've been, uh, I shared this uh, at Moscow when I was on the stage, I, I was looking for a new eye doctor. And if I didn't like the experience I had on their website, I left yeah. and I just went to another one. Like there's, a, there's like within driving distance of me, there's plenty of eye doctors. Why would I go to one where I have to call just to book an appointment and won't let me book an appointment online? Like the, the experience itself, um, I think matters a lot for local and that's not necessarily happening as much as it should be improving that experience. Um, so like if you provide a better experience, if people can get to um, booking an appointment faster, if they don't have to wait forever for the page to load and to see the elements of the page and read about what you offer or even just be able to see the phone number and click on it from their phone, like uh, um, they're more likely to convert. That's that's essentially, that's all it was. It's just like better user experience than users want to interact with you. And they want to keep going to you because they know they're going to have a good experience. Um, something you said earlier reminded me when you were talking about like kind of like things that are out of our control 
Um, one of the things that I think about often is when clients are like, I need to be in the, I need to improve my local SEO. I need to be in the local pack, but they have a terrible average rating. It's like, this, it's, to me, that's the same thing. You're like, that's still another like user experience yeah. and a uh, relationship type thing. And when clients don't focus on those things, all the SEO in the world is not going to, going to get them where they need to be because the phone is not going to ring if you have a 2.5 rating, but you're ranked number one. Um, and your competitors have a 4.5, <laughs> like it's, it's not going to change anything really. And I think there's a lot of, um, kind of like a, some, some, uh, strategies need some refocusing so that you're focusing on what's going to make the most impact, uh, for that client. Um, and what's going to help them grow the best, not necessarily what are the SEO tactics that everyone is saying that I should be doing. Awesome. Well, listen, I, I this, I have one last thing to promote of yours and it's that bright local has this academy which mm-hmm. training courses i always want to point people to this it's got training courses from some of the top local seos in the world you can find stuff from claire carlisle nikki mosier's on there search lab's own greg gifford is on there uh Amina, you have a course there about how to perform local seo audits for multi-location businesses these courses are yeah. totally free so anybody can, mm-hmm. can go on there they don't charge you any money for them Tell our audience about that collaboration with Bright Local and what they're liable to find in your course. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I've this is like really my process. Like I like this is like actually what I did to win over enterprise clients. So like I'm not like holding anything back in it. Um, so essentially, what you're going to find is what you need to do to do audits and figure out why your client is behind or why a location specifically is behind and what factors are causing that. And it goes through uh, content reasons, it goes through uh, local specific reasons. So it allows you to kind of see what's going on individually with locations, uh, because it's very easy to uh, come up with something like a blanket strategy that's like, we're gonna uh, apply this to every location, but sometimes based on uh, the market and the industry, some areas need more attention or a different strategy than others. For example, like a, a personal injury lawyer in Atlanta is going to need a much more uh, robust and aggressive strategy than someone who like lives like a personal injury lawyer down the street from me where we have like a population of maybe 2,000 people and two traffic lights, right? So like it's going to really depend on like on, on where you are and who you're trying to service and how much competition you have. And this uh, multi-location audit is about breaking that down so that you understand the competition level based on your locations and what you need to do to catch up with those competitors. Well, awesome. Well, we'll link to it in the show notes. Um, it's really good. stuff. I, I love this thing from Bright Local that they're doing, and I'd love that they give it away for free. So um, that's Amanda, that's all the time I've got for today. I want to give you a, a virtual cheers and thank you for coming on. For our audience, we'll be back next week with another episode of Suds and Search. Thanks so much, Amanda. I'll see you around. Thank you.